0: Anything you're facing, do you understand that if you get your eyes up on the Lord who made everything in heaven and everything in earth, nothing is impossible for God? When you face your adversary, get your eyes up, look
1: upward. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. For the past several weeks, we've been studying the Book of Joshua with Pastor Trent, learning what it means to move onward in the Christian life. We've picked up several important lessons from the Bible's recorded history of the Israelites as a journey toward the Promised Land. Today we'll continue with the next message in the series, Worship Before Warfare, we'll gain yet another crucial insight needed to help us move onward in our journey with god here's pastor trent let me invite you
0: to open your bibles to joshua chapter 5 you knew that was coming right we are 6 messages in to this series that we've started it's called onward don't stop now i want to give you the summary statement for everything i want to say this morning and it is simply this moving onward into warfare must be preceded by falling downward in worship. Do you understand that you are in a spiritual war right now? And if you have declared yourself to be a follower of Christ... You have a spiritual enemy that has put his crosshairs on your heart, and he desires nothing more than your defeat. He is trying to take you out until you are nothing but a pile of ashes. That is the war that each one of us are in. I found myself in a war this week. On Tuesday, I went in for a little procedure on the bottom of my foot, and it resulted in having a piece of meat removed from the bottom of my foot. That was on Tuesday morning. They sedated me for this little laser surgery, and the doctor said, as you go home, you'll probably just go to sleep and And sleep all day. And sure enough, that's what happened. And so um, about five o'clock, I finally woke up and was feeling refreshed. And I was kind of hobbling around, trying to get as much sympathy from the family as I could. Um, And and they did a pretty good job of that. But because I slept all day, I really didn't feel like going to sleep again at like 10 o'clock. And so I stayed up and watched a basketball game and a movie. And and about two o'clock in the morning, it's fine. I'm feeling, okay, I think I could sleep now. So I went into my bedroom, where Andrea was already fast asleep on her side of the bed. On the other side of the bed, where I typically sleep, in my territory, was our dog, Murray. Now, normally, Murray is this little white ball of fuzzy happiness. But at two o'clock in the morning, he was ready to fight for his territory. (laughs) He bit me which I did not appreciate. So Murray went through a a ride through the air and landed on the other side of the room with a thump and a whimper. At that point, Andrea woke up, realizing there was a war going on in the bedroom between her husband that she loves and her dog that she loves. She did not rush to my aid to come to see the bleeding finger. She went to the dog and began to stroke the dog to try to figure out if he had survived the warfare. Well, every one of us is in a battle for territory. God wants us to move onward. And if we're going to move onward, we have to realize we're going to face some resistance. We're in a war for our marriages, our Enemy is trying to destroy them. We're in a war for the hearts and the minds of our children. How many of you parents out there pray for the protection of your children that the enemy will not grab them and pull them into his camp? We're in a war for every relationship to keep the peace. Did you know that you have to go to war in order to keep the peace in relationships? We're in a war for every inch of spiritual ground that we take. And as we study the book of Joshua, that's what the book is all about. We're studying about ancient Israel that was occupying territory that God had promised to them, and yet they had to go to war in order to get it. Last week, you remember, they had crossed the Jordan River. God had given them those three reminders of who was going with them in the Ark of the Covenant. It was a picture of the presence of God. He'd given them the picture of of where they had come from, those stones of remembrance. You don't ever wanna go back there again. And then he'd given them the picture of circumcision to identify them as a marked people. Don't forget who you are, who you belong to. You're not like everybody else. You're not gonna act like everybody else. You're a marked people. And that was a reminder that they were going into a territory that God had promised. But do you know what was awaiting them on the other side of that Jordan River? Look at your Bible. Do you have a heading at the beginning of chapter 6? Not inspired, but somebody wrote that in there to help you to understand kind of the big sections of Scripture. What's the heading at the beginning of chapter 6 in your Bible? What is it? The fall of Jericho. And if you know the story, Jericho was this fortified city that lied on, on the other side of the Jordan River, and they were about to face this battle of Jericho. But before they could go into warfare, they had to experience falling down in worship. And Joshua was about to have this experience. I want you to read about it here. Before we look at it in Joshua, I want you to see about the warfare that we have. In the New Testament, the Scripture tells us about the warfare that each one of us are in. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh... We are not waging war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, not guns and knives and bombs and swords, but our weapons have divine power, spiritual power to destroy strongholds. Jericho was a stronghold that had to be destroyed before God's people could move Onward. And there are strongholds that each one of us are facing right now. There's strongholds of lies that we believe that need to be blown up and conquered and defeated so that we can move onward. There are sin habits that some of us have. There are strongholds. We're shackled to those sin habits, and those have to be destroyed if we're going to move onward. Are you facing a spiritual battle? Let's find out what happened in this time of worship before Joshua entered into the warfare of Jericho. We're just going to look at three verses this morning. You say, Trent, last week we looked at three chapters. You never know what you're going to get when you come to harvest, okay? Just three verses at the end of chapter 5. Verse 13 says this, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. Joshua because he was not stupid, did so. There's two points to the message. The first is this. When you face your adversary, look upward. Joshua had gone out by Jericho. Do you see it there in verse 13? Now, apparently, he had left the gathered assembly of these two million people, the chaos and the noise of that collection of people who were gathered at Gilgal. That's where we left them last week. And Joshua apparently left Gilgal and got closer to Jericho. He was by Jericho. He likely went out alone. Why do you think he went out by Jericho? I think there's two reasons. First of all, he was obeying the command that God had given him back in chapter 1. Do you remember what God told him to do if he was going to experience success in the battle? What was he going to have to do? There was a habit, there was a discipline that he would have to maintain. Do you remember what it was? We taught you this meditation do you remember it in joshua chapter 1 verse 8 god had told him this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it and here's the promise for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. If there was ever a time that Joshua needed success, it was before he was going into battle at Jericho. And so before the battle, he went out to meditate on God's word, I believe. Uh, Not only was he meditating, I think there was something else he was doing as the leader of God's people. It was his responsibility to know the enemy he was up against. I think not only was he meditating, he was measuring. How big are those walls at Jericho? How big are the muscles on those soldiers? And what he discovered there by Jericho, he got his eyes on those walls, and you know what he saw? He saw an impenetrable fortress, an impossible challenge. Jericho was a double-walled City, The first wall, possibly four to five stories tall, six feet wide. And if some way, somehow they could get past that wall, they faced the second wall. Twelve feet wide, possibly six or seven stories tall. You remember Rahab's house was on top of one of these walls. That's how big the walls were. And it's possible that Jeremiah was looking at that and measuring and calculating and analyzing. Do we have any weapons? Is there any technology at our disposal that would give us any hope that we can win this battle? Maybe there was a little anxiety in his heart as he tried to measure and calculate and analyze. Are we going to be able to Win this battle. Have you ever felt like Jer- have you ever felt like Joshua? Have you ever put your eyes on something that was seemingly so impossible you had very little hope of winning the battle? Maybe there's something going on in your marriage or your finances or your health. Maybe there is some sin habit that you've been shackled to for so long. It seems like a wall that you'll never get past, and you can't go any further onward until those walls fall downward. Joshua had his eyes focused on those walls. But then he did something that was very important. Notice what it says. He lifted up his eyes. And he looked, he got his eyes off of the walls and he got an accurate view of God. This idea of lifting up our eyes, that is actually a theme that's repeated throughout scripture. In Psalm 121 verses one and two, it says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? Have You ever felt that way? Where's the help gonna come from? He answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Notice he doesn't just identify some distant God out there, the man upstairs in this very unknowable God. Notice he uses the proper name of God, the revealed name of God, the Lord. And in case you were wondering, Who he is, notice what he has done. He has made heaven and earth. And the Lord who has made heaven and earth is not intimidated by any wall that is made by man. Anything you're facing, do you understand that if you get your eyes up, on the lord who made everything in heaven and everything in earth nothing is impossible for god when you face your adversary get your eyes up look upward notice what he saw when he looked up again here in verse 13 and behold now anytime you see the word behold in scripture it's a signal to you for your jaw to drop And it's the author's way of saying, you're not going to believe what happened next. So, would you like a little run at that? Here we go. Behold. Exactly. That's the response you should get when you read the Bible. Behold, you're not going to believe what he saw next. Here's what he saw. A man standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Do you think Joshua was surprised? Joshua thought he was alone. Joshua had left all of the other warriors and all of the swords in his army, and there he was meditating, just enjoying time with the Lord. And all of a sudden, there is a man that appears to him with a drawn sword. Now, you have to insert yourself into the story. Imagine if you were Joshua. You're there having your quiet time with Jesus, just reflecting on God's goodness and how far he's brought you and and you're kind of measuring the walls and just praying and asking God to send the help that you need. He's getting his eyes up and all of a sudden he is standing before a warrior with a drawn sword. If you were Joshua, which direction would your next step have been? Answer, probably in the opposite direction of the drawn sword, right? That's where I would be headed. But I want you to notice the direction that Joshua moves toward. What does it say? It says, and Joshua went to him. What would motivate Joshua to approach a mighty warrior with a drawn sword? The promises that God gave him way back in chapter one. Joshua, we read it over and over again, four times in chapter one, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Joshua had every reason to believe that no matter what adversary was coming at him, The battle belongs to the Lord and Joshua had been assured of the victory. doesn't tell us, but I believe that Joshua had his sword there too. And I can just imagine Joshua pulling out that sword and say, you got a sword, I got one too. Let's get after it. And with brave heart, he went toward this man and he finds out that he's not just a man. Let's find out who this guy was. Joshua went to him and he said, are you... For us or for our adversaries? Now, that is a multiple choice question, okay? Let's find out how the man answers the question. Are you for us or are you for our adversary? Answer, verse 14, and he said to him, no. I don't remember that being one of the options. He gives him a different answer than what's expected. And he answers and says, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, can't you imagine Joshua just kind of scratching his head? No, I thought that's who I was. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Let's play along with the question. Let's say that the man had answered the question this way. I am for your adversary. What do you think Joshua's response would have been? My name is Joshua. I am the commander of the Lord's army. prepared to die. <laughs> that, 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 that's what we would expect, right? Okay, you're going to be for the adversary. That means that I'm about to go to battle with you. That would have been a grave mistake. Have you ever made the mistake of fighting against the Lord? when the Lord wanted to fight for you? That would have been a mistake for Joshua. What if when Joshua said, are you for us? This man would have said, yes, I am for you. What would you expect of Joshua to say at that point? Okay, you're for us. I didn't quite recognize you, but I guess you're one of my guys. And so uh, just remember, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. You need to fall in line behind me. You need to get back and just, just follow me in my direction here because I am in charge. That would have also been a mistake. And the man says to him, no, I am not here for you to use me. Isn't that a mistake that we so often use? We think of the Lord as someone who can make our life easier, someone who's there to remove the obstacles and and, and just make life a little easier. That's a mistake. God says to him, no, you're not going to use me at this point. Adrian Rogers, one of my mentors, when he preached this passage, I'll never forget. He was saying that the man that confronted him, who we're going to find out later, was actually God, was saying to Joshua, I am not here to take sides, I am here to take over. And what you need to do is get in line behind me because even though you thought you were in charge, I am now in charge, I am your commanding officer and you are now going to follow my lead. By the way, if your view of God, if your view of Jesus, is kind of this grandfatherly guy with a long white beard and he's kind of old and decrepit. Or maybe your view of Jesus is kind of a feather-haired, baby-powdered, pastel-wearing, skinny jeans. Jesus, um, you need a new view of God. You need a view of God with, that is a mighty, sword, a mighty warrior with drawn sword ready to fight and win every spiritual battle. And he identifies himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. What army is he talking about? What army does God have? Well, certainly, he was probably referring to the armies of Israel. Human army about to do battle in Jericho. But there's another army. There is an unseen army of special created beings called angels that are warriors that are created to do nothing but give glory to God and assist in the spiritual battle that you and I are in and God was saying to Joshua your army's not going to win i've sized them up it you're hopeless but there's another army that is going to assist you in the battle and they have every spiritual asset at their disposal, every weapon to fight the war that is ahead of you. There's a story over in 2 Kings about this army. There was another commander, another prophet, his name was Elisha. And Elisha and and the people of Israel were about to go into battle with an adversary. And Elisha had a servant And it tells us about this servant as he began to calculate who was going to win the battle, who was going to be the underdog, and who was going to be the favorite. And he says this in 2 Kings chapter 6, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas! Now, alas is the opposite of behold. Okay? Alas is hopeless. Alas is... I have done the math. We have no chance of winning this battle. And he says, "Alas, my master, what shall we do?" And he said, "Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them." And that servant must have thought, "Elisha, are you blind? What what, what can't you see that we are the underdog here?" And Elisha began to pray. And said, Oh Lord, please open the eyes of this servant that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of that young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God allowed that servant to see that unseen, invisible army, and Joshua has just met the commander of that army angel armies at our disposal to do spiritual battle do you remember when jesus was standing before pilate on the night before his crucifixion there he was captive to pilate and pilate thinking he had foiled the plot of jesus to take over was about to crucify jesus and jesus just kind of gave him a little reminder Um, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and He will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 12,000 angels ready to do battle and because of Jesus' plan and purpose to redeem you and I on the cross, He humbly submitted Himself to that crucifixion? There's an army of angels ready to fight on our behalf. If we could just get our eyes off of the walls, off of our circumstances, and see the commander of the Lord of hosts. Look at what it says at the end of that verse. Now I have come. Isn't that great news? God is never early, but He is always on time. Right here, right now, God stands ready to go to war on your behalf. Here's the second thing we're going to learn. When you face your commander, fall downward. When you face your commander, fall downward. What was Joshua's response to this revelation of God that he received? Look in verse 14, the last part of verse 14. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Joshua, a strong and courageous warrior, falls on his face and worshipped. It's one of the reasons we know that this man was not just any man. This man was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. Theologians call this a theophany or a Christophany. How many of you understand that Jesus existed before he showed up in a manger in Bethlehem? Do you understand that? And this was... An incarnation of Christ, the commander of the army of the Lord, revealing himself to Joshua. And Joshua understood this is not any man, this is God, and he worshiped. One of the reasons we know that this was God is because when other men tried to fall and worship mere angels, those angels told them to get up. You are not to worship a created being, but this man allows Joshua to worship. And worship is the only appropriate response to an
1: accurate view of God. As Joshua approached the fortified city of Jericho, he looked up and saw the commander of the army of the Lord, set by God to remind him that the battle was the Lord's. We can be strengthened for the things we face by responding just like Joshua. First, by looking upward to the Lord, and second, by bowing downward in worship. Looking upward is an important part of the culture at Harvest Bible Chapel, which is built on four pillars, unapologetic preaching, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness and unashamed adoration. We invite you to join us in worship this weekend at either our Granger, Indiana or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. Service times and campus locations can be found online at harvestgranger.org. Well, I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for joining us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger, harvestgranger.org.